On this episode, we talk about all things hardware, including the Surface Book, Pro 4, and the brand new Elite Controller. This is the Sam's Report. So today is October 23rd, and this is the Sam's Report, where we are going to talk about all things hardware and a lot of other good stuff. So let's just kind of kick off with some of the background stuff that went on this week. And Microsoft announced its earnings yesterday. Yeah, they did. Um, they weren't the best earnings that I think everyone was kind of hoping for. I think some of the analyst estimates were a little bit higher than what actually came in. But revenue of $20.4 billion, net income was $4.6 billion. And what really kind of drove the stock price, and if you haven't looked at it, as of um, opening this morning, so we're looking at after-hour trading here, is that the stock was up around 10% and actually hit a new 52-week high. And I actually believe it hit a new high um, since they had their antitrust rulings back in the early 2000s. So even though they were a little bit under their uh, expected revenue, the fact that their cloud grew so much and they, it was at 6.3 billion, their cloud revenue, uh, which was a grow, growing percentage of eight, an 8% 8 increase in growth for the quarter. And the reason why I think that this is such an important thing and why so many people were bullish on Microsoft stock after they announced their earnings um, and you know a lot of people bought in apparently is that everyone kind of sees at least you know the writings on the wall that the cloud is the future of Microsoft's computing. Um, you know it's not like a next week type thing or next year type thing. This is like a five year thing, 10 year thing that this is what's going to make Microsoft sustainable for the next generation. And the fact that their cloud is growing so well, and competing successfully with uh, Amazon's uh, AWS service is really what's driving that growth in the stock. It's a forward-looking metric uh, for a lot of analysts, and it's doing well, and they expect it to continue to do well, and Microsoft expects it to do well. And they actually talked a little bit of smack on their earnings call. If you, were, uh, if you listened in or just kind of read some of the sites, what was going on is that Microsoft has always said, or I should say most people kind of agree that there's three main players in the cloud sector. It's Microsoft, Amazon, and Google. And during the call, and I believe it was Nadella said that there's actually really only two. And he said that the future of cloud computing lives in Seattle. And what he was getting at there is that really it's only Microsoft and Amazon. Google, he was putting them down pretty much by saying, hey, they're not really in the cloud computing game. Now, we know that they are but it's not to the same caliber that Microsoft and Amazon are. Microsoft and Amazon are just dumping billions of dollars into their product, growing it as fast as they can, building data centers, building new features, building, uh, Microsoft just rolled out of like two weeks ago, new um, like high-end, high-core uh, products with solid-state compute power or solid-state storage that is really the top of the game. And they said they were the most powerful virtual servers that you could get or actual servers that you could get either the gs series is the name of them and microsoft is really proud of these things obviously they cost a whole bunch of money but for the people who need i think it was up to like 32 cores and 64 gigabytes of ram and um, up to like a couple terabytes of solid state storage that you can get i mean there's really really high-end stuff for most likely simulations or really intensive computing applications but hey microsoft is like you know what we got it if you want it um and it's a very capital intensive process as well to no surprise, right? They have to build up data centers. They've got the, uh, many different regions all around the world that are billion dollars a piece. And these, it's such a contested arena and so expensive that HP actually announced this week that it's Helion uh, public cloud service. They're shutting it down. They don't want to compete in this place. Um, it's just too expensive. And the fact that Microsoft public cloud is growing is what's driving this growth in their stock. Uh, not to talk too much about financials, but that's really what kind of drove it. But it wasn't all you know, roses and stuff uh, during the earnings call. Um, specifically on the Windows phone line, they said that revenue declined 54%. They sold 5.8 million Lumias and surprisingly 25.5 million non-Lumia phones. Now, there's a couple things to keep in mind here. So Microsoft obviously did a write down of almost all of their assets that they obtained from Nokia on the Lumia side and the, the phone side. So a decrease in revenue is expected. And so that's probably why the stock is like, hey, you know what, you guys already wrote all this stuff off. Anything at this point is just free money, lack of a better term. Um, Lumia is at 5.8 million, not that great, but it you got to put it into, into perspective too, right? Because 5.8 million Lumias, while it 
it's a modest number. It's pretty low. Um, at the same time, they really didn't release anything that's going to attract high volume sales, right? It, it was a pretty low time for the Lumia lineup. They haven't released a flagship in a very long time. And so they're just kind of pushing out these low end like Lumia 630s and, and 640s and that kind of stuff. But we should start to see hopefully this number uptick because um, sometime next month, we're going to get the Lumia 950 and 950XL, which will be premium devices. They also have some other mid-range phones that are coming out. So yes, 5.8 million is not great. It's big revenue decline. The revenue decline shouldn't be too much of a surprise since they're doing less volume. Um, but you got to remember when they were selling more volume, they were losing, I think it was 13 cents a phone. Um, they were, it was something they were losing 13, I don't know if it was 13 bucks. That seems extremely high, but I think it was like 13 cents a phone when you factor in marketing and everything else. So the fact that they're making less phones, um, actually means that they're doing better as a company, uh, in terms of profitability. So what they're doing is they're focusing on more premium phones and more strategic releases. And we'll probably also see a surface phone, I would guess sometime, um, next year. And so that's kind of the story of what's going on with the Lumia phones, lower volume, but you know what, that's expected. Microsoft can't just continue to bleed cash throughout these things, but they're not giving up obviously because they've got the 950, 950XL. They put Panos in charge, which means we should hopefully see another high-end device, which will be really, really good for the Windows Phone community and those out there who are craving something new. Um, other figures that came out, uh, service revenue was down quite a bit. This is not, again, not surprising. So service revenue came in at 672 million. It was 908 million. And just for clarity's sake, this is for Q1 of Microsoft, which is July through uh, end of September. So July through end of September, they had 672 million versus last year, they had 908 million. It's like, why the big difference? Well, Surface Pro 3, remember? Surface Pro 3 was launched at the end of June, right at the beginning of the quarter. And so they got all that growth from the new Surface. So Surface line being down to 672 million. Yes, that's not great, but it's not unexpected, right? They just announced the Surface Book, which you can see right here. And they also just announced the Surface Pro 4, which are going on sale next week. And so, yeah, obviously sales are gonna be down. Who's buying a Surface Pro 3 in Microsoft's Q1 when they know that the next best thing is right around the corner. So there you go, just a little bit of educated perspective into some of the earnings. Um, I would expect that their Q2 uh, is going to be very, very strong. Um, they've got a lot of good hardware that came out, although generally speaking, hardware has slightly lower margins, but I would expect revenue to jump. Um, I would I would expect phones to jump too. I'll be curious to see how much these premium phones drive sales. I would expect um, they're going to sell a decent amount, but I don't think it's not going to be like an Apple type event by any means. So Q2 should be excessively strong for the company. Um, one thing that kind of got lost in this memo of everything going around of, with the earnings, it was actually reported by the New York Times by a guy named, uh, I think it's Nick, Nick Wings. I always forget it. That's his like, Twitter handle. Is that Microsoft actually laid off another 1,000 people. And so layoffs suck. So I hate layoffs. Um, I was laid off from my first job, and most, basically because the company just completely went under and through no fault of my own, we're, ended up working out very well in hindsight. But layoffs suck for everybody involved. Nobody likes to lay people off. And people aren't familiar, there's a big difference between layoff and firing. Firing means you screwed up, layoff means the company screwed up. So if you get laid off, it's no fault of your own. So a thousand people through, not their own fault, um, you know, ended up losing their jobs, I believe yesterday or two days ago. So according to the report, all the jobs or most of the jobs came from the Windows Phone segment. Again, not too surprising that Microsoft, or I should say Nadella, I fundamentally believe that if Nadella would have been in the driver's seat, he would not have bought uh, Lumia or the Lumia line from Nokia. I really don't think he would have. I think they would have just built their own Surface phone and said, here's what you know we can do, much like they did with the Surface line. They build one premium device and say, here's the, the go get them phone that everybody should want and let their OEM partners, if they wanted, uh, you know, backfill. But I, I don't actually think that Nadella would have bought it. Anyway, so a thousand people suck, or a thousand people suck, a thousand people, it sucks that a thousand people lost their jobs. And that's, you know, another round of layoffs at uh, the big micro Microsoft org. So there you go. That is Microsoft's earning in a nutshell. That's probably everything you need to know. You can go read the 10Q. Microsoft has a nice link posted directly on their website if you really want to get down and dirty about where the revenue came from. But one thing I do want to point out now, uh, before I end on this revenue stuff is Bing, Bing is profitable. Everyone who said that it was not, 
a good thing. Microsoft should dump it, get rid of Bing. Um, clearly had no idea what they're talking about. I've been a big proponent of Bing, not necessarily the search engine, but I'll explain why here in a second. But Bing is now profitable. They said they had a 23% year over year growth um, in revenue for the sector. And yeah, Bing is profitable. Bing is making Microsoft money. Uh, the big reason why I know they would never get rid of Bing is that it's baked into the back end of everything. If you used Cortana, you used Bing. If you use um, Search in Windows 10, you have used Bing. So Bing is not going anywhere. And now that the fact that the segment is profitable it makes all those analysts who say, you know what, spin off Bing a little bit silly. And not to mention, according to Alexa, uh, which is a online website kind of rating service, if you're not familiar with it, according to that service, which is, again, it's not perfect, but it's good for showing trends, Bing is the 23rd largest website on the internet. 23rd. Now, granted, I think Google is number one. Actually, Yahoo is pretty high up there too, and Facebook and all those guys are up there. But for Microsoft to have the 23rd most visited website on the internet is a pretty big deal. So keep that in the back of your mind every time someone says they should get rid of Bing. Well, you're dumping a pretty core asset to the company. So that just goes without, I don't know, people knowledgeable, lack of knowledgeable insight is who says, people who say they should get rid of Bing. Anyways, that's the end of the Bing rant. Let's move on to more fun and exciting things. Actually, not so much exciting, Edge extensions. Oh, Microsoft. So uh, get, in the, get in your time machine here, go back to build. Microsoft had said that at build that extensions for Edge, and I can't remember if they said this on stage or they said it privately, but I very clearly remember them talking about this is that they were going to be coming by the end of the year. And so, you know, we all kind of assumed, okay, they're not going to be at launch of Windows 10. That's fine. Um, all right, so it's going to come with Threshold Wave 2. And so I started asking Microsoft, hey, because we're not seeing them in the previews. We haven't heard anything. And I, I reached out to Microsoft. And this was kind of, this is a very Microsoft thing to do for somebody, do to somebody like me who, you know, writes this stuff up. So they came back with a statement that says, it's coming in a future update and just a nonchalant answer. And I tweeted it out because I was like, I'm not writing this up. This is dumb. I just said, look, Microsoft's still saying it's coying to future update, but they won't say if it's coming in the fall. And so legitimately, like 24 hours after I got that statement, they came back and said, well, um, we're going to revise our statement that we gave you. And we're going to say that they're coming sometime in 2016. And they will not provide any sort of hints, whether it's early, late, fall, winter, any part of 2016. They're <laughs> stuck in the mud saying it's coming in 2000. They are coming in 2016. So I have mixed feelings about this from a couple of perspectives. So one, they said they were coming at the end of the year. Clearly, they're missing this deadline, which sets expectations. And this is why Microsoft doesn't like to give dates or anything until they are absolutely sure. Uh, but they said they're coming, and then obviously they didn't. So it's, you know, um, informs Microsoft it's coming soon, per se. But it, we don't know how soon anymore. So it's they're not coming now. They set the expectations, didn't meet them. A disappointment for the users. Fine. The other kind of side of me says, okay, extensions are they really that necessary? And I'm I'm torn on this because I I use some extensions. For example, I use one on Google Chrome called Honey. Um, that allows you to find um, coupons for site. Like if you're, I don't know, if you're on Papa John's or whatever, Pizza Hut, and you do a pizza, a little honey thing pops up and says, hey, look, here's a coupon for what you're ordering. Just kind of saves you money. Um, everybody likes saving money. Um, for people who use LastPass, there's no there's no way to use it. Adblock Plus for those that do that. Although I, I if you're, if you're going to use it, please do not use it on Petri or on Threat. <laughs> That's my caveat with that. For people who use Adblock Plus, there's no option there. So how many of these people are using Edge that really need extensions? I would, I honestly think it's a, a smaller minority. It's generally more of a power user type feature. But at the same time, you need power users to adopt because then they help push it on to their friends and family and that type of situation. So whatever, Edge, um, yeah, not coming. And there's a lot of ranting and raving about Edge. I. <laughs> the thing about Edge, and we'll get to this in a little bit, is that the scrolling, the smooth scrolling with the Surface Book on Edge is just phenomenal. Just scrolling on websites and whatnot is great, especially on TweetDeck, which I'm using all the time and I'm staring at right now. It, it's great. 
Chrome, it sucks. It, it's not not nearly as good. Even with you, I did turn on the flag to allow you know smooth scrolling, but it's more like it's hard to explain. It's just not as smooth as Edge. Edge does it exceptionally well. Same with Firefox. It's not as good as Edge. The problem with Edge is that it crashes a lot. Like I've, I've get several crashes a week. Um, there's another bug with the a hardware bug. I, I don't know with these machines um, displaying some funky colors on occasion. So. Microsoft really needs to get Edge figured out because it's going to, the reason they launched Edge was to get away from the social stigma of Internet Explorers. You know, it's the only reason you use Internet Explorers to download Chrome. And so they launched Edge, this like rebranding situation. And so they launched it, but like they're, they're, they launched it out of the gate with this momentum and now they're kind of stumbling a little bit. And so Microsoft just, you know, there's some really good people behind Edge too. I know quite a few of the guys in the team and they're really smart, good people. Um, and I just wish their product reflected how much work has gone in just because some of the bugs that, that pop up on occasion. So that is Edge coming in 2016. The extensions are, um, I'll be curious to see if there's anything else coming in Threshold 2 that they have up their sleeve. And speaking of Threshold 2, so if you've been paying along on the, paying attention to the podcast for a couple of weeks now, I've been saying it's been coming in November. I've been saying that for a while and saying, you know what, that's my sources are saying November. Um, and it is, it is going to come in November. I am actually hearing that it is the first week of November. And now what's interesting about this is I got some similar information and Paul, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with Paul throughout. He got very similar information in completely separate, isolated buckets. I got some information, um, late last earlier this week, sorry. And then Paul got some information actually on Wednesday and completely, I can't stress enough, completely siloed buckets. And then we just started talking, hey, this is what I heard, because Paul and I now share um, legitimately just about everything. And voila, he had some really good stuff on Edge or on Threshold 2. And I had some good information, and it, it meshes perfectly, which is great. So I am hearing the first week of November. Um, I believe Paul is hearing that. But Paul actually had a little bit more information than I did. And it's going to be called Fall Update. And I was able to confirm this. I've seen it, I've seen the documentation. And so it's going to be called Fall Update. It's not going to be called Threshold Wave 2 or anything else. Microsoft's going to stick to a Fall Update, which is not too surprising. They've considered other things like they've called other updates like for Windows 8, uh, like Spring Update. And so now we got Fall Update. So which means basically what I'm expecting from Redstone next year is they probably call it Windows 10, whatever, um, summer, well, depending on when it arrives. Could be potentially Spring 2016 update and then Fall 2016 update. So anywho. Uh, it's going to be called Fall Update. It should be here potentially. Well, let me check the calendar here. Where is my mouse? Um, no, I would within two weeks or so, roughly, is what I'm thinking. So I might have some more information on an exact date and a build number here soon, but could be here within two weeks actually, which is pretty good. That's that's a good job of Microsoft actually sticking to that timeline, keeping expectations on the desktop front, um, you know, in line and whatnot. So, yeah, this happened last night, actually. So my my Xbox, which I play with that monitor right behind me, um, got finally got Windows 10. Yes, I, whatever reason, I was just not lucky enough to ever get into the pools, and so I finally got it. What was not so cool about it was that I was in the middle of a game of Destiny, and it says we're going to update your Xbox. Like I was in the middle of a strike for those of you who play Destiny, and <laughs> I got logged out. Um, like of everything, just straight black screen. It says, we need to update your machine. And the only options were to update or to stay offline. And so that was, I hope Microsoft kind of maybe lets users you know, pick like they do with Windows, excuse me, about when they can update their Xbox because that was pretty annoying. Um, and just a very much a Microsoft thing of, hey, we're gonna push this on your machine now and there's really nothing you can do. Uh, so there we go. That was the Windows 10 on Xbox thing, and we've got some good hardware stuff. I'm going to talk about this uh, stuff for people on the audio. I'm pointing to my Surface Book right behind me. But anyways, so I got a ton of questions, and Microsoft is being completely quiet about the Surface Book European release. So take this with a gargantuan grain of salt, but I was sent some documents from a retailer in um, Europe about 
this particular question. So what I saw, and I'm going to kind of qualify this statement after it, was that the Surface Book should be coming to Europe in the spring. Um, what I saw was some just marketing material about how they're planning. And so I've, I have two thoughts on this. The documentation that said this spring was either one, just kind of hopefully not, hopefully not, I should say, uh, kind of just guessing and saying, okay, this is when we think the stuff is going to arrive. But my more logical thought process here is that it, for the springtime, it's retailers plan pretty far out. Like their holiday stuff is all done. Um, they're uh, the marketing and planning people. They are moving beyond Christmas stuff. They've already got this lockdown and whatnot. So they're generally about a quarter ahead of everybody else. So my thought here is that they they have this information. They need to start planning now what their retail strategy is going to be um, for the warehouse too, where they're going to store this stuff, where they're going to display it on the store, and all that good stuff. So I'm hearing the spring uh, for the Surface Book moving abroad. But again, this is one particular retailer in Europe, so take it with a grain of salt that there could be other retailers who get it first, larger ones. This was a smaller ish retailer, but spring is um, what I am hearing for that. So speaking of surface book, let's talk about the surface dock. <laughs> so there's a lot of good hardware that came out this week. Um, the embargo lifted on all this stuff. And so we can finally talk about it. When I talked last week saying, Hey, this is, there's going to be a lot of good stuff this week. This is what I'm talking about. All the hardware, I should say most of the hardware we can now talk about. So, for those of you who are listening audio, you may not be able to see, you're not going to be able to see this, but this is the Surface Dock here. And so we've got two mini display ports. You got two USB on that side. Then you've got two USB on that side. You have a lock port there. And it all very conveniently connects through one port that, that plugs into uh, it's the power port. Now, I can't quite show it here, but if any of you have a Surface charger, you'll notice that all the pins are now utilized on this. And on a power one, only I believe it's only like the end two little pins are used. So we've got all pins going here, and that's how they drive all the information to the Surface Hub, or Surface Dock, I should say. Surface Hub is a huge display. But anyways, so this is actually a very good device. I am quite happy with what Microsoft did. If you remember the last Surface Dock, it was this big contraption thing you, you put your Surface down into and like clamp the sides closed, and it worked. It, it, it solved the need of um, those who had a surface and wanted a proper dock. I like this thing a million times better, mostly because it takes up a less footprint and there is a power port, you know, th this port on the end, this circle port is actually for the power. So it is self-powered and will charge your device, um, um, when in use, but this thing takes up a lot less physical space on your desk and it's pretty heavy. There's a rubber pad here on the bottom, this nice soft plasticky stuff on the top and it's super easy to use. You just plug your thing in, your Surface in, like you're going to charge it with the dock charger, and bam, you have everything. One cable, nice, clean, simple, super easy to use, works with all the Surface stuff you have already or the new Surface stuff you're going to buy. And this was a smart uh, change for Microsoft. Good job on this stuff, guys. The one kind of funny thing is, is the reason, so this is not a, like in traditional terms, a dock. Like a dock is what they built before. It's like something you dock it in. Uh, this is a hub, right? This is like a USB hub, but they can't call it a Surface Hub because they've already used that name. They use that name for that big giant screen, um, 55 or 85 inch displays. And so they call it a dock, but it's a hub. It's it's Think of it as a super fancy USB hub that does wonderful things for the Surface line. The only problem with it, or I shouldn't say the only, but the, the biggest downside to it, it is 199. So it is not a cheap accessory for the device, but for those who just want a super simple setup that is clean and easy, that is the route you want to go for $199. Now, don't get me wrong, you don't need the Surface Dock. There is mini display out, display port out on uh, the Surface Pro and on the Surface Book, I believe. And you can connect to a display that way. So you don't have to use it. It's just a more elegant solution. It's a cleaner product. And that's the way, you know, that, that's just what it is. It's a good device if you need it. I think it'll do well in the corporate sectors. And let's dive into the more fun, fun hardware here, shall we? Oh, you weren't expecting this one. So this right here, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Xbox Elite controller. This controller, if you are an Xbox gamer and you play any significant amount of gaming, I 
highly recommend this. I play quite a bit of gaming a week, about 20 hours, maybe give or take or so, just a couple hours each night um, or when I get free time. But this controller is wonderful. And so what it is, it's a, I believe it's the exact same size from the physical footprint. I didn't actually measure or check it as the original or the, the original Xbox One controller, whatever you want to call it. But this guy has all sorts of good little features to it. So starting with the material, it's got this like soft black. It's actually very similar material to what's on the Surface Hub here, kind of. This soft black kind of material. And as you can see here, I've played quite a bit. And there's not really too much like staining. And I mean, your hands get kind of greasy or sweaty. And you can see here, it doesn't really resent, like retain that too much, which is good. That's a very good thing. And you've got this nice premium materials. And the cool things, let's just start up here, is that everything is kind of connected with magnets. Like if you watch, you can take the thumbsticks off. There's actually two additional sets. I have the shorter ones on there currently, but they just click in, oops, and right like that. And they are kind of, they're not hard to get off, but they take a little twisting action. And so this is an awesome thing. And they kind of twist and you pull up and bam. I mean, you can see how easy that is. And so they both come off. It's super simple. And you can replace them and they stay in place with magnets through the gaming so far that I've done. I've not had any issues with any of the uh, removable parts coming off. And I'm a pretty vicious gamer. Uh, you know, I beat on these things. I'm not gentle with my controllers. And so the other thing that can take off here is you can actually take off the D-pad. And so I forget where I put the other one, but there's also another more like horizontal pad thing. Oh, it's up over, out of the way, that you can replace and change up the D-pad here. But I, just for my gaming style, I still like the D-pad. And again, it just sits right in there with magnets. It's not going anywhere. It is, it sits firmly in place. It's a good thing. It, it's, it's cool. The other kind of differences here, you can see underneath the joysticks here, that is metal. Um, and you know it, it feels fantastic, but it, what's harder to see here is that around the edge of the little area is actually a plastic black ring that makes this experience of like rolling around the edges very smooth. On the existing controllers, it rubs right up against the actual frame or case of the controller. And so just moving it around, it, it just feels like money, right? It's just like buttery smooth, uh, very well done. Other things here is in the center, there's this switch. So every button on here and on the back, which we'll get to in a second, is customizable. You can remap any key to whatever you want. And so you can have, actually have two presets for your gaming styles. And I play a lot of Destiny, and I also play quite a bit of Smite. If you ever play Smite, let me know. I'm Not enough people play that game, but it's a lot of fun. So I have one preset for Destiny and one for Smite. And it makes, you know, that way I don't have to go in and change everything. Bam, just, just off and running. It's awesome. I really like it. And so on the back is probably arguably the biggest change. And so what they have is there's actually two sizes of there's paddles that go on the back. And I took them off initially to show you what it actually looked like. And so you can see these dark little holes down here. This is where the paddles actually go and connect. So what you do is you just kind of, they just slide in like this. That's the first one. And you can see, and then it's a button. And it, what it does is it engages, those little green dots are the actual button but this paddle makes it so you can engage the button. And so you can actually have, oops, I grabbed the wrong one here. You can have two on each side. And so then the setup looks like this. So you can see there's the two sides. Now, my personal gaming preference is I've only using, I only use the top two. This is how I generally play, is with only the top two. Now, I think eventually I will get to be able to use the bottom two, but I've been, I've had every Xbox since the original. I've never had a PlayStation 4, or any PlayStation, to be honest. I had Nintendos growing up and then went Xbox. And so I have about a little more than a decade of ingrained experience of not using paddles on any controller. So this is a very new and very long, from personally, learning curve to get used to these buttons. But I am. They are especially useful in Destiny. I have one map to reload and one map to, uh, to jumping. So it's jumping and reload. I had to think about that for a second. And so it's quite cool. And so they work there. I have not gotten used to the bottom paddles, mostly because my grip just doesn't work there. But that is very cool. I love these little paddles. I'm getting used to them more and more each time I play. But by far, my favorite feature about these controller. You see these little green switches up here? 
what they do is they change the length of the engagement for triggers. So if you switch these guys, you can see how you have to press it all the way down here. If I flick the switch, then it becomes half the distance. For anybody who uses a single fire weapon in any game, like a Halo or Destiny or anything, you will love having that shortened distance because it makes shooting so much easier. Now I did play a little Forza, and on Forza I actually like the longer pull um, than the, the quick engagement. But for any single fire fan out there, you want the short buttons, and that is the reason why I would buy this controller. I would not buy it for the paddles. I would buy it for this shortened trigger length because for me personally, it made a lot of difference. Not to mention all the premium materials, you know, just this nice quality stuff up here, being able to change out these guys um, is another reason to buy. But my killer feature, which I didn't think, I thought the killer feature would be the paddles for me. Nope, it's the shortened trigger. This is the Xbox Elite controller. It is awesome. It is 150 bucks. Um, so again, not cheap, but for somebody who's playing Xbox all the time, it's a very good purchase for them. It's a very good controller. Uh, Microsoft did it right. I think it looks fantastic. I think it feels fantastic. I am, I think, I, I personally think they're gonna sell a ton of these things. I really do. So moving on from that, let me get these paddles over here and out of the way. Let's talk about the Surface Pro 4, guys. Been hearing about this thing all the time, and this thing was under embargo, and now can finally talk about it. Been using it for about two weeks. It's a good machine. It, this is very much, by all respects, an evolutionary update. Do not expect some radical difference with this guy, but you've got your slightly larger, let's see here, let's get this display on, let me punch my password in. You've got your 12.3 inch display here, and it is a good machine. It, you know, Surface Pen sticks to the side. It, what, what else can you say? It's a good update. You got larger screen, you have excellent writing, although I can't do it right there. Um, there's a little Business Insider page that has a bug that I will show, but the inking support, oops, gotta be on a pen here, is just fantastic. I mean, you can just do whatever you want, and the writing, I didn't think they could make the writing experience any better, but they did. They really did. And the pen is good. It's, I mean, what else is there to say about this thing? It's Skylake. This is the i5 model. Um, the fans, that's what we can say. Oh, my God. So the fans do not run nearly as much. If you have a Surface Pro 3 or ever used a Surface Pro 3, you will be very aware of how much the fans and the backside just spin up. Um, I joked online frequently that I was going to dress my Surface Pro 3 up for Halloween as a hissing cobra because that's what it sounded like. Now, for the most part, the Surface Pro 4, which is a good machine and starts at $899, does not have fans. It, they don't spin up. You can actually buy a fanless model, the M3 version. Um, and to address a comment here on Twitter, uh, Chris asked, the review unit doesn't support Windows Low, or did you not set it up yet. So these review units do have Windows Hello cameras up top here. You can actually see the, the camera. They do support Windows Hello, same with the Surface Book, but the software was not quite ready with these review units. Um, so Microsoft said that it, it will be ready for when they ship next week, and it's coming through Windows Update uh, that will enable the camera. But right now, I cannot log in with my face. So if you read any reviews of any of these things that say they did log in with their face, um, I don't want to say they're lying, but they're not telling the truth because the software is not ready uh, for the Surface Pro 4 or the Surface Book. And if you're wondering why, it's because Microsoft built their own camera. This is not Intel RealSense. It is their own uh, their own hardware, which is actually quite impressive. And not surprising, though. I mean, they have Connect expertise. They have all sorts of good stuff in there. Um, so somebody asked, how good is the pen on the Surface Pro 3? It's good. So the biggest difference in this pen, which you can kind of see on, on the stream is that it's got a flat side and what the flat side allows you to do is that it sticks although this is the wrong side is that it sticks firmly in place i wonder if i can do this on the video you can kind of see like it snaps into place like it it is on there firm uh, it's not going to go anywhere the biggest question where it might fall off is if you bump it from the side it does rotate a little bit better um and if somebody asked, are these pre-production units? I don't think these are pre-production. 
I think these are just early units. I think these are like first run, first test run, um, but I don't think they ever said they're pre-production, unlike some of the Surface Pro 3s. I think the Surface Pro 3s were pre-production, but these are actual production models. Um, so the Surface Pro Pen, it, it has a softer tip. If you have a Surface Pro 3, I'm not sure it's worth buying. I mean, it's it's a good update on the pen side. It, it feels a little softer in your hand. The actual tip, I should say, the pen is made of the same metal. Um, one other benefit is on the side here, the flat side, there's a button that allows you, if you're using OneNote, then you just hold that button down and it creates the selection box for you. That's kind of a, a nice thing um, addition. And the pens and the eraser works um, exceptionally well too. I haven't actually tried the eraser on a Surface Pro 3. I should try that, but the eraser is nice. So. I don't know, it, it's one of those things, if, you, if you're not gonna buy a Surface Pro 4 and you have a Pro 3, but you wanna feel like you're getting a better experience, you can go and buy it. It's not a like night and day, it's not like you're gonna buy this pen and just be overwhelmed with joy. It's a good update. Um, it's just a good update. It's not a, evo a revolutionary, it's very evo evolutionary. On the back of the device, exact same hinge setup, which is good. Good job, Microsoft, they didn't change that. There was no need to change that. The hinge works exceptionally well. And it's just a good update, right? It, we weren't expecting too much. Um, there were some bad rumors out there saying it wouldn't have Windows Hello, but it obviously does. And it's just a good evolutionary update. Now here's where the, the obvious question becomes, if you have a Surface Pro 3, should you get a Surface Pro 4? So if money is not an object to you, sure, why not just go ahead and get one? Although if money is not an object, I would tell you to buy the Surface Book instead. If you can get a good deal on a Surface Pro 4 by selling your Pro 3, go about, go for it. But to be honest, if I was only using a Surface Pro 3, what I would do is I would just buy the new keyboard. I would buy the new type cover. This is the new type cover here. And the, for an extra, I believe it's $30. I believe it's $159 over the one, or it might be $149. It actually has a fingerprint reader. This model does not have it because it, you don't need it with the Surface Pro 4. But if I had a Surface Pro 3, I would just buy the new type cover. This new type cover is, it's a generation jump over the last model. Um, as you can see here, the keys are spaced out a little bit wider, which gives you better just kind of key feedback. Um, also, the mechanisms underneath have been refined, and I actually like the typing feel, and this is kind of crazy. I actually like the key feel, like the, the pressing feel, better than how the Surface Book feels. Um, it, it's, it, it's wonderful. It's, they did a great job. Not to mention, this trackpad is bigger, uh, it's smoother, and it reports responds to gestures much, much better than the previous iterations. Not quite as good as the Surface Book, but if I had a Surface Pro 3 that was the i5 or i7 model, I would buy a type cover and I would call it a day and I would wait till the Surface Pro 6. That is my personal opinion because the performance gains aren't, I mean, they're good, but they're not exceptional. You get a slightly larger display, which you really can't notice unless you're comparing them side by side. And there's no new ports really, right? It's not using USB-C, uh, same port setup. So buy yourself the type cover. If you're really feeling generous, buy yourself the new pen and just call it a day and save yourself the rest of the money. That's my personal recommendation. If you have a Pro 3 that is not the i3 model. If you have the i3, then you might want to start thinking about updating because that's going to feel, that chip's going to feel really slow here uh, pretty soon. So that is the Surface Pro 4 and the new type cover. Same flat back panel, um, still says Microsoft on it. Oh, it's also for those curious, this is a big deal for me. It now has a print screen button. It's the exact same keyboard setup, uh, key layout. Uh, I should say hotkey layout as the Surface 3. If you have a Surface 3, this keyboard would look very, very familiar, but it's spaced out a little bit wider, a little bit larger because the Surface Pro 4 is a little bit larger. So there you go. This is the type cover. I wrote some more, more pretty pictures on Petri if you want to take a look. And it connects the exact same way. But the moneymaker, the holy grail is this guy, the Surface Book. This thing is incredible. I absolutely love it. So this is the Surface Book. This is the i5 model. It does not have the additional GPU here. Oh, apparently, uh, I know why it's rebooting. I had to run a specific update to try to fix an issue that I have with mine. So this is the Surface Book. It is everything. You read, hopefully you read all the reviews. Hopefully you read my review and Paul's review. 
but it is a thing of beauty. Now, not everybody loves this little teardrop shape here. I'm gonna have a post that has a lot more pictures of this um, hinge in action, but whoa. One issue is that these magnets that keep it shut are very strong. But there you go, you can see how that hinge works. It's very slowly opening and closing it. And you can see the vent ports along the side. Um, the fans only, again, spin up during pretty heavy use. Um, I did a little photo editing in Photoshop with this, but during web browsing, no, it's not like the Surface Pro 3 where they spin up. And during video playback on YouTube, uh, they would occasionally, especially if you're trying to run 4K, but this thing, I quite like it. Again, same Surface Pen, you know, it attaches to the side here. You can probably see here. Oop, if I could get the, uh, there we go. Like you can actually see this thing like lock into place. Like it, like it, it really sits on there. Um, and so it's a good, it's a good little, little setup. There you go. So that's the surface pen on the side. My issue, my biggest issue, aside from the pre, the production faults, which this unit might've been pre-production. I don't think it was, but it would make a little bit of sense is that the screen is, you can see here, it's a little wobbly. It, it's got some wobble to it. For a $1,500 machine, it wobbles a little too much. And the thing happens when you touch it from the front side, it does the same thing. Now, if you push the screen, this is as far as the, the book goes back. If you push it all the way back, then it's a lot firmer and it's not so bad, but most people aren't gonna be typing at this particular angle. So the screen wobbling, it, it is a little worrisome. Um, my first experience with this thing was sitting on the back of a 737, and when we hit turbulence, it would bounce. Um, so keep that in mind that there is some screen wobble. If you're using this on the desk, if you're using it, I mean, it's not like it's not like game changing or show stoppingly bad. Don't get me wrong; it's just just something to be aware of. And so what you do here is you got the little wobble, but whatever. You press this button, and you'll see it. It kind of goes red and green, and then this thing just pops off. Whoops. There you go, it just slides right out. Usually it's a lot easier when you're on a hard hard surface. And then you just get this nice tablet. You get a 13 and a half inch tablet that is uber thin. I mean, this thing is incredibly thin, probably just about as thin as they could ever make it. Uh, I shouldn't say ever, um, but because there's no USB ports, there's no ports of any kind other than the bottom. It's super thin, it's lightweight. The battery life on this thing is not so great. It's only about two hours. That's because a third of the batteries are in the display. Two thirds are in the base. They do that for weight and balance. But this thing is sexy as hell. Like, I love this tablet. I love just popping this thing off and just running with it. And just, I just sat and watched the Bengals game. I'm a big Bengals fan. I just used the, the, the tablet mode um, during the entire game and I had to recharge, well, put it on the base, I should say a little bit, but for the most of the game, I used this guy, and it just works. And what the big difference here is that when you reattach it, like it just, it just, it just sits itself right down on there. Whoops. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Figures I can't do it while holding it, but when you set it down, it's much easier. What the crap, there we go. Well, that was a little weird. Sometimes like like half hinged, uh, a little harder to see here, but it just sits back. There we go. Like I said, this thing is a little pre-production. It was like it was trying to lock when it was uh, halfway on, but it just, it sits down and Microsoft really got this hinge set up correctly. It's not perfect. Um, for example, like if, when you pop the display off, you can no longer bend that hinge. So if you pop the display off at an odd angle, like I just did, and then when you're trying to put it back on, it can be a little difficult, but during most angles, when you would pop it off, when it's sitting straight up and down on a desk, it's super easy. Hit the button, half second later, it makes a satisfying little, not even a half second, probably a quarter second later, you get this nice satisfying click, and then you can pull it off. And then it just reattaches just effort, effortlessly. It's Microsoft got this right. There's some other two and ones on the market. Microsoft got it right. They really did. And so this Surface Book is good. Um, there's a couple bugs, like my audio port. I'll be curious to see if more people have this. So the audio jack on mine, if I'm listening to music, I can hear background noise. It's almost like you can hear the PC. If you've ever heard like a mechanical hard drive click kind of running, that's the noise you hear. Um, it's really annoying. I let Microsoft know on how to reproduce the issue. 
So hopefully it's just a one-off, um, but they're working on that. There's also another issue with Edge, no surprise here, um, and the display. On certain websites, if you saw that Business Insider page that I had open earlier, there's a point on the page where you can scroll, and the screen goes from white, like you would expect, and has this, it's almost like the white balance changes in only an edge. So it's an edge specific issue to uh, edge specific issue to this display. Cause it does it on the Surface Pro 4. It does not do it on my Dell XPS 13 or my HP Spectre 360. So those are kind of a couple issues. Really all you need to worry about is just the screen while we can see it really, like you can really see it here on the video. Like if I just let go, it kind of, it's like a car with bad shock absorbers. Like it keeps wobbling after you get, you stop. Um, somebody asked, um, Brad asked on, not me, Brad, but Brad Bamford asked on Twitter, if you recharge the tablet top, um, whoops, I didn't even know you could do that. So if you, there's a little button you can actually press on the display that will, uh, the software key that's like in the, in the uh, system tray that will do it. So I was trying to figure out here is, does it recharge? No, I don't believe so. So his question was, does the base recharge the tablet top? I don't believe so. I believe they're just kind of independent and they work themselves down independently of each other. So one will not charge the other. So there you go. That's a that's actually a pretty good question. Um, one of the things I wish you could do, and I'm, I'm going to make this suggestion to Panos, is I wish that the pen, I wish you could write on the trackpad because there's times where I like to just doodle on things. It would be kind of cool like if you could actually write on the trackpad. Think about signing a document. I just had to do this a couple of days ago, which is why it came up, where it asks for a signature. And what if you could just write right on the trackpad? I think that'd be a pretty cool little addition to the Surface Book. But overall, um, this is going to be my daily driver. And, and to me, that's a pretty big deal. I'll work through the kinks of the, the screen wobble and the edge issue, but I really like it. The key's a little mushy, not perfect, but what really separates this thing is the trackpad. The trackpad on the Surface Book is the best Windows trackpad ever. No questions about it. It is the best trackpad you will ever use. Gesturing, recognition, look at that. You did, I don't know if you can see that, but bam, look at this. It works. It's working every time every time it is working it works accurately it is just phenomenal uh, i love it i love this trackpad it does everything you would need it's very responsive it feels and clicks wonderfully microsoft finally built a trackpad that doesn't suck it doesn't suck which is what's driving me to use this the dell xps 13 okay but the gesture recognition was terrible i had to turn them all off um, not to mention the dell also shows a lot of grease like oils from your hand because it's a carbon fiber base. But the Surface Book is a wonderful machine for the price. Uh, and that was pretty much universally praised. Everybody had, if I had to sum up all the reviews and I read my, obviously I couldn't read everybody else's when I was writing mine. I wrote mine independently. Everybody wrote the same thing. It's a awesome premium laptop with a few bugs. And so with that caveat, the bugs can be fixed, right? They're just minor things. Um, it, it has nothing to do with the form factor. It has nothing to do with the hinge. has nothing to do with the trackpad. has nothing to do with the keyboard. All this stuff can be fixed either through software or some minor revisions or just figuring out what's actually causing it. But for a first laptop from Microsoft in this configuration, Microsoft hit a home run. I love this machine. I'm going to be using it all the time. If you're going to Vmon at the end of the month, actually next week, I will be in Vima in Vegas. If you are headed to that conference, I will be there with my Surface Book. I don't know if I'm bringing the Pro 4 yet. Um, and, and <laughs> so a couple of things here. Some actually some readers last week pointed out they, they wanted to know why my Surface Pro 3 and Surface 3 were gone. So these guys have been sitting on my desk for two weeks, but I was not allowed to show them off. That we were not allowed to talk about them, take pictures, or do anything with them. That's why the space was empty and a couple of people pointed that out the last show. They're like, Hey, where'd your stuff go? It's because I had to unplug them and move them. There is some other Microsoft hardware that I can't talk about yet. That's still under the wraps that we will be able to talk about um, soon. And cause somebody just asked me about it. Um, yeah. So we'll, maybe we can talk about, I don't know if I can talk about that next week yet or not. I should probably figure that out. Yeah. So there is a Microsoft hardware that was announced that I have not talked about yet, and astute observers are correct. So Surface Book, awesome. The big question is, do you buy a Surface Book or a Surface Pro 4? It's a really tough question, because here's, here's kind of where my mindset falls. 
if you're gonna buy a higher end Surface Pro 4, I would buy a lower end Surface Book instead. That's what I would think. That's what I'm thinking. Like if you're gonna be spending over 1500 bucks on a Pro 4, I would seriously consider a Surface Book instead. Don't get me wrong, the Surface Pro 4 is a good machine, but the Pro, or the Surface Pro 4 is a good machine, but the Surface Book is a better machine um, for what I use it for. If, if you only need the tablet portion, and you don't want to spend more than, let's say, about 1200 bucks. Surface Pro 4 is a great machine. You, you will be happy with it. Do not get me wrong. You will be happy with a Pro 4. But, but the Surface Book is a wonderful laptop. It is everything I would want in a laptop almost if they could fix the screen wobble, the audio issue, the edge issue with edge. And maybe a little bit better battery life, I guess, would be you know what they could do for the next generation. But... Here's the thing. Here's the way I've thought about this the entire time, ever since they announced it. When they announced this, jump back a couple years. When they announced the Surface RT, remember what that thing was? It was kind of a hybrid, non-solution product. Just think of the form factor and think about how that form factor matured over three years. Think about how the Surface Book is going to mature over three years. Now that they, now that it's out there and they have a little bit more freedom with it, think about how this product is going to mature and how Microsoft is eventually just going to dominate the super premium Windows market, uh, laptop market. I'm convinced of it based on how this first version is. Panos, you did a good job. So that's that good stuff, guys. It has been an awesome week. I hope you guys enjoyed all the writing. It was ferocious trying to write up three reviews of the controller and those two guys and get them all out while keeping on track with everything else. It's been a lot of fun. Don't want to sound like I'm complaining, but get your hands on a Surface Book. Go to the store and try it out. I really... Microsoft is going to sell quite a few of these things, and they've been selling out, actually. They introduced a new SKU of it. Um, if you didn't check that out, it's another, I believe, 1699 SKU. It actually does the dual GPU. I say dual GPUs. Other people say discrete. Technically, they're both kind of correct because there are two GPUs in here. You have the internal one up in the display, and then you have one down in the base for those models. So technically, there are two, but most people just refer to it as the option with the discrete. So there you go, guys. This has been the Sam's Report for the end of the month. All things hardware. If you have any questions about this stuff, I'm going to have another post up on Petri. Um, I've been tweeting pictures about it on my Twitter account because people have been asking what the bottom looks like, what the hinge looks like. I'm going to be covering every little thing I can about this because I like this machine and I use it every day, although not for this podcast because I had to switch machines so that I could actually show it off. So I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. I hope that for everybody who ordered a new Surface Book or Surface Pro 4, next week is everything you hoped it would be. And thanks for watching.